0: terrible. I'm still one.
1: I love it. Honey, lad. Destroy salmon again. Who paid for the nachos? No rain, nor
0: wind, no snow. Classico. Hello, Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. It is the afternoon of Tuesday, July 5th, 2022. We're on my lunch break here working from home, and we're doing, for the first time in, God mark, four years? Yeah. Maybe four years we were doing a podcast in person, in the face, sitting on a couch. It's going to sound better because we can like interact with each other and cut each other
1: off in a natural way instead of a weird Skype audacity way. Um, you know, technology is limited to some degree, and it does not, it does not, um, uh, like, it's not an improvement over actual live human contact, which I think most of you have learned throughout the pandemic, right? <laughs> like, real human beings are more fun than Zoom meetings.
0: Yes, absolutely, Mark. And so, you know, it's great to do this. I believe we recorded a pod at one of my previous uh, apartments I think I don't remember what the circumstances were but we've done that but listeners the first time that you're hearing an in-person podcast here um, since Juan and I did book club on Simon Klitschke's uh, what we think about when we think about soccer and so Mark normally you are in the Michael Aziria memorial podcasting basement <laughs> I have my huge setup on the Jeff Lorenowitz memorial podcasting kitchen island what do we want to call my currently vacated second bedroom
1: uh, the, the Burmese Python Shrine, uh, <laughs> s- soccer, um, uh, uh whatchamacallit, um, ast- Astrodome.
0: I Astro, I, I'm not sure. Okay, we, we, we don't have another good, Um, We don't have another good uh, former Rapids player to maybe name this off of. but uh, Let us know, folks. Tweet at us. The Austin Trusty Memorial uh, third bedroom. I do not think we will be doing that. Thank you very much. (laughs) That would be as cringe as Birmingham City retiring Jude Bellingham's number, which they did do, folks, despite him only playing like two seasons there. But, uh, Mark, we've got a lot to talk about. We're obviously podcasting within, oh, God, what, like 14 hours of full time yesterday at... Fourth of July with the Colorado Rapids losing by score of three to from with Austin FC. But Mark, let's first talk about. There's some rumblings now that we're into the secondary transfer window and silly season about players that the Rapids could bring in at this time to help bolster the squad. And one player that's come up with a few things that he shared on social media is Latif Blessing, who's supposedly not happy at LAFC. Um, I don't know if there's some visa issues. He's not able to be in regular contact with his wife, and the team is not being super helpful there. And he's also competing for minutes with guys like Cinfuentes and other guys. We have seen other disgruntled players at LASC want to be compensated with playing time and money accordingly. And when that does not happen, LASC, you know, is potentially going to want to drop a bunch of money on a DP this summer or next summer or when Gareth Bale potentially becomes a DP if they mm. pick up that option. Mm. And to do that, they're going to need some cash and Latif Blessing is potentially surplus to requirements. Mark. Should the Rapids go after the Teak Blessing? What would he look like with the Rapids? What would this look like financially?
1: I think they should, and I think um, Distressed Assets FC is like one of our calling cards, and Porex Smith, over his time in the League, has learned that you can get a lot more money, uh, you can get a lot of more success by making inside the League trades and deals. The other thing that we just learned, or I just learned, um, I don't know why I only found this out recently, maybe it was only recently disclosed, maybe... It had just slipped all of our minds, and I think Joe Samuelson had, had kind of informed us on Twitter that um, Jack Price is on a DP contract, even though he's only on, earning 725000 And what that means is the um, difference between uh, his max contract hit on the cap um, is just kind of expanded because now his entire contract is... Uh, under the cap because of the DP. So that actually sort of opens up potentially up to 700000 as far as I understand, $700,000 worth of gam tam, thank you ma'am, um, uh, garbage bucks for, for, um, buying, you know, like a, a straight, uh, payment to a team or for his contract to pay him down under, uh, whatever. So that means that the Rapids have a little bit more money than they, than I previously would have thought they had. Um, the assumption is, you can never really know how much team, how much GAM or TAM a uh, team has. Um, a thing that I've said over and over on this podcast, because it's just not, you know, there's so much that's not really explained very well. Um, Blessing's a good pick. Um, there are going to be a number of other teams that come in and, and buy players over the next couple weeks. Um, I, I, he's not, he doesn't tick all the boxes for me. Um, just that, like, he's been playing kind of an, in, an interior winger, whereas we need somebody who's a little bit more connective and um, a little bit more uh, aggressive and, and effective in the, in the kind of final third and, and forward. Or we need like a Cole Bassett, late arriving number eight kind of guy. Um, we just don't really have the thing that connects the front line to the back line. It's why the Rapids spend so much time Pinging diagonal balls from their corners up to um, their wingers, or just, you know, sliding the ball through to uh, Johnny Lewis and expecting him to take guys on 1v1 or just run at him. Although, to be honest, last night we did have a really nice play where Rubio fed a ball right into the path of Lewis, and, and I think that was, uh, that created this, the second goal. So. Um, There are those little things where where we are creating, but we need just one more creator and maybe Lessing's the guy.
0: Yeah, no, Um, I think the thing for me when I look at Blessing Mark is just, you know, the a level of intensity and bite in the midfield that the Rapids just really have not had with the departure of Kellen Acosta. As we'll get to in a little bit, I'm starting to wonder if so many of the problems in the midfield and kind of the core of what's been, you know, the team crumbling to the ground this season so far has been just not having Cole Bassett not having Kellen Acosta and not being able to replace those players with the um, incoming transfers that they had from this winter but you know Blessing has a level of energy he, has a, he does a lot of Kellen Acosta like things that I think would immediately solve a lot of the problems in the midfield mm-hmm. and make life easier for Jack Price to excel in ways that we saw them be a force multiplier and, and his then, movement is better I mean Acosta is a really an
1: incredible dead ball player and I think one of the things that was interesting about Acosta with Price is that... We're, we're talking about Kellen Acosta, folks. Sorry, yes. very good. Yes, yes. Kellen Acosta. Um, is that there was too much overlap. You've got, like... And and to be honest, like, Danny Wilson can also ping a ball. Like, you've got a lot of, like, uh, like, target guys who can, like, put that ball wherever you want, but not as many guys who can either run onto it or, you know, run forward, get into the dangerous position and make the shorter pass... That makes the final thing. Like, we need that guy. And Diego Rubio is actually, you know, again, he's been making a, a passable impersonation of it. And maybe that's the long term goal. But I don't like that um, because it takes Rubio out of where he probably ought to be, which is playing off of Jazzy's artist's shoulder
0: um, and creating mayhem in the box. Last thing that I'll say on Blessing Mark uh, his uh, guaranteed compensation for this season is 420K. That's, I think, a relatively low number. That's an undervalued contract. That's like the new Hutolo yeah. midfielder equivalent for me in terms of that. He is also in the last year of his deal, so I would assume that if he is moving, I don't know that he wants to go back to Europe. Maybe he would because of what's going on potentially with his personal family situation that he's alluded to and others reporting in LAFC have alluded to, but I think if a, a team wants to acquire him, first of all, they have to meet, I think, the financial <clears throat> um, you know valuation that LAFC would put on for him. You'd probably want to do a you'd, you'd want to do a transfer and sign in terms of locking up you don't want you don't want to spend a bunch of money on him and then have him walk away in january and there'll probably have to be some you know personal uh you know like some player representative um welfare work that would have to do from a a family setup situation such that maybe, you know, he can get things right off the field in his personal life. If you check all of those boxes, I think Latif Blessing will absolutely leave a team that is going to win a trophy this year in order to have all of that solved. I think there will be a lot of buyers for him. I think someone out there in MLS is potentially willing to spend a million dollars in total assets for him. I do not know that the Colorado Rapids are that team.
1: Yeah. My only last thought is this, which is one of the challenges with Latif Blessing is uh, similar to the challenge with Michael Barrios and Brian Acosta which is when you're buying a known player in MLS who's done some good things over time, you know you have to remember you're not buying 2019 Latif Blessing, you're buying 2022 Latif Blessing and there's been some fall off and that's a, a problem um, and the other thing that's related to that is the Rapids have been getting so many guys like Barrios and Brian Acosta who their best days are behind them and we don't right now have, correct me if I'm wrong that, I don't think there's a single player on the Colorado Rapids right now, not a single player on the Colorado Rapids right now whose best days are in front of them, not one, right? Austin Trustee I mean, I'm not, I'm talking starters. I'm only talking of the, starters. Of the starters? Yeah, I mean, our, our, our youth players on our bench guys, there's some real, there's, there's definitely, Yaya Torre may not be there right now. Mark Anthony K. Like, I think he's pretty much exactly,
0: I think he's, I think there's a bunch of I guys think he's in at their st- prime right now. I think he's Can-Am, like, uh. You could get 5% better. I don't know that there's, we don't have as good as he's gonna get.
1: I think he's gonna go to Qatar and then he'll just be tired after that and he'll have one more good year, but he's, he's capped out. But yeah, we, we don't have any guys where the upside is coming. We have some young guys who might have more upside, but that's a little worrisome for me. And uh, you know, it's, you it's hard to buy those guys. Um, you know, you basically you're getting your Michael Edwards type player, mm-hmm. uh, a young guy who's in somebody else's academy. Who, but those are the guys that I really want them to be targeting right now, less than Latif Blessing. If it were, if it we're up to me and we finish out of the playoffs and buy three high upside academy guys off of Red Bull and NYC and Toronto, where they just aren't fitting in right now, um, instead of a Latif Blessing, that's what I would go for. But it means you're punting on the season.
0: Yeah. Um, News from last week, Mark, on Friday uh, Was Lucas Estevez had his loan extended With the Colorado Rapids And there's still that option to buy That's believed based on reporting out of Yahoo, folks It's been pretty consistent in terms of reporting On Brazilian players playing in North America Is that there's a loan fee for $200,000 And then uh, the option to buy is still at the end of January That's still available Believed to be in the range of a $1 million For a 50% sell-on clause as well We don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it. Um, I think it makes sense from a timing standpoint and from a financial standpoint. I wrote a big thing on it for last word. Read the last um, uh, headline section that I have on the financial section. If you just want the TLDR, I will link that in the show notes. Mark, So to correct everything I just said, him, uh, Brian Galvan, those are
1: the guys who have upside. But like Galvan's out for the season. Um, SFS is more upside, but there are folks out there who think, he is what he is. He's kind of a mono directional, like, um, decent pinging wide, uh, attacker, uh, for a fullback, but he's got some defensive lapses, uh, and he's, he's not gonna turn into like, you know, uh, an, an MLS all star. That, that's arguable and we'll see, but this is a signing I really like, A uh, uh, kind of a locking a guy down. I think it's a good move. Or extension of loan. Um, you know, like buying him outright would have been nice, but for some reason, I guess the team is hedging its bets
0: on him. Like, what do you think, Matt? Why not just buy him? Um, Palmeiras is his, is his home club. Yeah, Palmeiras is his home club. Um, I think maybe they want a little bit more time to evaluate him. And then I also think there's some financial implications with other money that they've spent that maybe Pork wasn't in a position to say, mother, may I for an out of pocket expense rather than using, you know, you can't. The money, folks, that you would send to Palmaris cannot be in the form of gam. You can't convert right, right, gam right. into cash and then send that cash or check um, to and, a and, club. May, and maybe those uh, like sell-on clause stuff or incentive hits that
1: uh, Sam Vines and Cole Bassett need to hit. Maybe that cash hasn't been transferred from Europe yet, yeah. and so the money isn't going into the bank account. Um, and, uh, Papa Stan isn't like extending credit, you know, like we don't run this. Like I run everything in my life, which is, I'm sure my credit card can absorb this, right? Pork's actually better at financial management than I am, which, uh, is, uh, not really saying all that much, to be
0: honest. (laughs) Last uh, Ask HCHL we have on this, Mark, was a question about our voting for the MLS All-Star Game, which unfortunately, folks, at time of recording is closed. So if you're thinking, oh, yeah, the MLS All-Star Game, I want to vote now for the starting 11, won't be able to do that. Um, Mark, I think we're being fully pragmatic here. Most Rapids fans don't care about the All-Star game. Interesting. In which case, folks, I would say your strategy should be make it as easy as possible for sure. the Rapids in the second half of the season. That would mean the team that plays them on the weekend after the All-Star game has a bunch of players in the All-Star game who have to travel to Minnesota and are tired. That would be Columbus Crew. So if you are taking the I-don't-care-about-ASG-at-all then you should have voted for pretty much every single Columbus Crew player. If you're voting on merits, mark, I'm not sure that there's any other player outside of Diego Rubio who should be in that conversation. Unfortunately for Rubio, given, I think, his position, his standing, and where the club is in the table, I don't know that he's competing with the other players at his position. So I've come up with my 11 that I actually voted for on this oh. one, Mark, uh, and then I want you to give me some feedback. I'll give some preface on this, folks. Uh, this is an MLS All-Star game. This is not a... All-star game for teams that play in MLS that include other competitions. I do not have a Seattle Sounders player in here. Mm. They had a different type of award, Mark. That was in the form of the winner's medal for CONCACAF Champions League. And even CCL had its own best 11, of which four, I believe, Seattle Sounders players are on there. You got those awards if you don't do it in MLS, which to an extent Seattle hasn't. Seattle is not in the upper tiers of the table in the Western Conference. You're not in there for me. So, Mark, I have... Maxine Crepeau in goal. I think he has absolutely solved the issues at the goalkeeper position for LAFC. Kai Wagner is the best left back in Major League Soccer. There is no concerns about that for me. The two center backs I have are Aaron Long and Alexander Collins. I think they have been the most consistent and the best players uh, at the defense for their respective teams. I think Aaron Long has been the most important, albeit not necessarily the most flashy player for the New York Red Bulls. At the right-back position, I have Brooks Lennon on merit. He did just recently get a long-term injury. He will miss the All-Star game. So if I can go on merit based on who's the best 11 for the first half of the season versus who's actually available for the All-Star game, I would go with Julian Araujo at the right-back position. I think he's been very good and less red-cardy for the LA Galaxy. Uh, In the midfield, I have a midfield three. Jose Martinez, the most Philadelphia athlete since AI, probably, for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's been fun. They've been good again, Philadelphia. And then I have Sebastian Jurici. I kind of cheated here because I couldn't decide between Jurici, Mihailović, and Lucho Acosta... Mm for the three attack for the two attacking midfielder roles and it just so happens that uh, Mihailovic is out and there's probably a valid question whether or not he'll be available for the All-Star game so um so for the purposes of that I have those three Mihailovic will get the bonus for the All-Star game but Lucho will be the one playing in it I think those have been the two most impressive attacking midfielders for me and they have been a big part of why their team is much better compared to last year, which is something I cannot say about Carlos Heel, unfortunately. And then up top, David Ferreira, Tati Castellanos, Carlos Vela. Argue with me on that, whatever. Mark, do you like my lineup? Agrees, disagree? Don't care about the All-Star game.
1: I love it. I do think that, um, it, realistically, nobody really bothers with fullbacks, um, because if you could play uh, a 3-4-3 a three, three with two wide attacking wingers, it basically means you can get effectively like four forwards on the field, um, which is is the way that you're gonna go. Uh it's what's likely to happen. Callens is a, like a is a lock. He's probably your number one. Long is probably your arguable one. There's some other players who've had really good seasons or keep having good seasons. Jack Elliott, um, Bill Tuilomo, if you want to spread the love around the league, um, you know, they they just have they've they've also produced some um, opportunities uh at assists or created uh, expected assists um you know the other guys who i like to see um who didn't you know, either got a mention from you or or a short trip thank you for telling me about mihailovic i didn't know that he was uh, injured I, you know more about fantasy because you're carry carefully paying attention to make sure that your your um roster is set emmanuel Reynoso has been very very good for minnesota even though his team has not been around him Luciano Costa is the same story. Hani Mukhtar, I think, is the other guy. I mean, he had an exceptional year last year, and he's not letting up. Um, and he's really versatile. You can play him at kind of a right wing. You can play him at, a, at an attacking mid. Um, you can play him not quite as a center forward, but you can play him as a wide winger um, midfield, too. That's kind of a fun thing to do. Um, and then I guess the only other kind of shouts out there that might be interesting um Jimmy Chara for for Portland he just really every game I see him play he creates attacks he defends on the front foot from a uh, a great position um and then one team that just gets kind of overlooked over and over and over again is Orlando uh Matias Pereira per- Pereira is doing very well um uh producing a lot of um opportunities He has nine assists on the season. I think
0: he leads the league.
1: No, he's second in the league to Luciano Costa at Cincinnati. But those are like, for us West Coasters, those slide under the, um, the radar. The reality though, and that you and I both know, is that we picked a great lineup of really good players and none of, a bunch of them are not going to make it because they're from the wrong markets. Right. Like, Tati Castellanos is going to get there even though he hasn't been as exceptional this year as last year because New York. Two players out of Seattle are going to
0: go because Seattle. Right? Two players out of Atlanta are going to go. That's right. At least one Austin player is going to go. That's know. right.
1: Um, who was the other player on here who was like, oh, Carlos Vela is going to be there. Like, yeah. no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. Bell is not having a great season, but he's going to be there and there's no way around it. Um, and then there's a couple other guys. Like, they may vote um, uh, Shakiri in there from Chicago. They might vote um, uh, Chiellini in there even though he hasn't played a minute, right? Like, that's a real. That's a real possibility. It'd be really funny, um, or he'll be appointed by, um, the, garbs because that's the thing. The last guy who deserves a spot there and almost certainly, well, two guys who, who will. One rapid and one, um, uh, striker who's just not, who's doing great things and not getting all the love. We've already mentioned it before. Jack Price should probably go for the rapids. Um, there's just not a better dead ball hitter. The weird thing about Jack Price is he has zero assists on the year, mm-hmm. which is insane. Which I only found out last week because it seemed impossible that that was true. And the other player is Jeremy Bobozy, who mm-hmm. is you know why Portland sold him on um, after misusing him in the wrong position. I will never know. But he's doing good things for San Jose, who are garbage. He probably won't go to the All Star game unless he's appointed as a, an injury replacement because he's very talented and very good, and he scores a lot of goals for a team that is even worse on the Colorado Rapids right now, Um, you know, the uh, San Jose, uh, SKC,
0: and the Rapids are three teams that are fighting at the bottom with a bottom group of players. Yeah, Um, only other thing that I'll say, Mark, is a lot of times, like you said, this turns into a popularity contest, and for the other picks that you get, you know, from the league or from the commissioner or from whoever's coaching it, I believe... It's just the home manager for the All-Star game, so it would be Adrian Heath from Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken. You know, normally they'll pick based on other merits. I, You know, this is my best 11 based on, you know play in MLS these are the 11 guys I cannot tell the story of the first half of this MLS season without them Mm -hmm. there will be guys who will get on like you said from the Sounders Mark will do so because of what they did in Champions League there will be guys like Chiellini or Gareth Bale who get in just because they're a major star and this is an all-star game not an all-merit game Mm -hmm. and I'm sure Walker Zimmerman who for me Mark has not been as impressive Mm. Nashville Has not been as good as I would have expected with them opening up a new stadium. But Walker Zimmerman's going to get in because of what he's done with the national team. We could say the same thing about Matt Turner last year with the All-Star Game. We could say the same thing about uh, Lucas Ryan who got in the All-Star Game, who did not have a great first half of 2021, but because of what he did in MLS Cup in 2020, was automatically going to get in anyways. Um, So, yeah, that's it as far as All-Star Game stuff. Mark, uh, does a Rapids player make it yes no? I will say no.
1: Uh, probably no.
0: I'll okay. No. Uh, listeners, yesterday, at time of recording, 4th of July, 4th Fest, the largest outdoor fireworks show in the state of Colorado, the Colorado Rapids played to a 3-2 loss to Austin FC. The Rapids scored two goals inside 22 minutes and then proceeded to give up three goals, four in total, if we're counting the one that was rightfully called back for a handball. While Bubacar gets the... Scoring started in the 19th minute uh, with a nice volley run towards the back post on a set piece set up by Lu- not Luciano Acosta. <laughs> There's so many Acostas in this episode, Mark. Um, uh, Brian Acosta. Jonathan Lewis makes it uh, 2-0 in the 22nd minute off of a breakaway. Nice little dink by Diego Rubio to play him through. And Lewis, Mark, with a nice little stutter step, you know, taking a moment to think about it, and then chipping Brad Stuber, where previously we would have seen him maybe react a little bit too quickly, and then make a mistake, and then things start to go bad in the 28th minute. A through ball from John Gallagher, who had two assists in this game, two primary assists in this game. Mark makes it 2-1 to Ethan Finley. The ball goes through, and I don't know if you saw this, Mark. I watched it on the replay. Danny Wilson actually ducks right before the ball gets to him. Trusty doesn't deal with it. Esteves is also there on the back shoulder of Ethan Finley, runs in and chips. Uh, William Yarbrough to make it 2-1 and then in the final minute of stoppage time in the first half, Sebastian Druisi on a volley on a very similar play to some of the others John Gallagher with a ball into the box Wilson's kind of out of position on that one and then uh, Druisi splits Austin Trustee and Mark Anthony K of all people with Estevez out of position there to finish in front of William Yarbrough Maxi Arrucci thinks that he scores the winner in the 52nd minute on um, kind of a crazy play in the box, but it goes to VAR, and it's ultimately determined by John Dickerson, the head referee, that that was a handball. Rightfully so for me. Austin Twitter wants to get mad. That's something that they do. And then in the 59th minute, Aruti ultimately makes it three to two, and that would be the final score, Mark. Uh, Michael Barrios had possibly the miss of the year in the 68th minute um, with uh, he, he'd literally just come off the bench maybe a minute prior. And there was a great through ball to Zardes. Zardes squares it to Barrios. Barrios has the entire net to shoot at, and he shoots back across from where the ball came to, like, the other side of Stuver in terms of, like, where is there less net on which side of Stuver? The side that has 90% of the net or the side that has 10% of the net? He shoots to the 10% side. I've watched this angle a few times, Mark. I'm not sure even if Stuver doesn't get a hand of that 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 shot's even on goal. That's the worst miss that Barrios has had all season. It is mm-hmm. not close. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Lalas Abubakar, who scored the first goal of the night, uh, hits the post on a quarter in the 73rd minute. Kip Keller gets a second yellow, for studs up on Diego Rubio two minutes later. Mark, uh, on his ankle, Rubio goes to the ground. And I don't know if it's the way he fell, Mark, but he's also holding his face. So did, Rubio's, did Rubio milk it? Card. Yes,
1: little card Gaffey.
0: was it a was it a yellow card? Yes, were both of Kip Keller's yellow cards deserving a yellow card, even in the context of him already being on a yellow. Yes, for me. And the Rapids can't do anything in the final fifteen minutes. Uh, professional defensive performance from the Verde in Black to get the win. Um, Mark, this was bad, so let's start with bad things.
1: Well, uh, so I, I think you're covering the specific shots was a notable thing. Um, We're going to work backwards to front. So backwards to front, I think it's um, a a, a little noted thing uh, by folks that we were talking to in the press box and afterwards that after the red card in what, the 72nd minute? 75th. 75th, the Rapids had 22 more minutes of soccer because there were seven added uh, minutes of extra time. And, um, they didn't produce anything notable. Um, all those other shots that you mentioned in the 58th and the, what's 72nd were before the red card. And that's really weird that the team looks befuddled when they're, they've got a man advantage. So that's a problem. Um, that's, I guess, bad thing number one. Bad thing number two really clearly, um, and I'll say it and I'll call it out, which is that, uh, Austin Trustee is, really guilty on both of the goals that got conceded to get the game back level. He just looked really, really, he, he whiffed on, uh, both plays where the ball just kind of went over him and he had a play on it and he didn't make it. And, um, in one of them, uh, Danny Wilson turned around and looked at him and put his hands up like, dude, what are you doing? And on the very next goal that he conceded, um, if you look at the tape, Uh, Mark Anthony Kay puts his hands up and goes, dude, what were you doing? Like, Mm -hmm. it's very interesting to see that trusty just didn't have a very good game. It was, it was kind of shocking the degree to which he's regressed. And it's been a running thing for like several games. And a lot of folks think that he's kind of mentally switched off since he was sold to Arsenal. I don't know what Arsenal sees right now in his play. If he's just, if they're just going to say like, yeah, we understand. We know you're talented. You know, everybody goes through a couple weeks. Your, your brain's not here. It's tough. I get it. You know, and being a guy who moved to another city, like there's a certain amount of like mental distancing you do. You don't really want to see it on a soccer pitch, though, in a professional soccer match. You want to see a guy yeah. kind of close out his time. Strong. So that was those. I think were the two most shocking things. Um, by the way, uh, in addition, uh, Danny Wilson, Mark Anthony K. Um, on the third goal, um, and even even in the other two goals, did not distinguish themselves well. K is jogging back, and he's left this huge gap um, for the third goal, where he's he's not really. Um, it was a Maxi Aruti goal, and um, there was a nice little dummy that came before it. Drew yeah. right, makes, gets the non-assist assist in that situation. And Kay's not like, he hadn't closed the distance, he's jogging back, he's not there for, to do anything, he's not in a position to close down space, he's not in a position to defend. That third goal was also really shocking that, you know, uh, defenders talk about being tight to your man, right? Nobody's tight to anybody. There's like all these like, ATX guys just wandering around. I wouldn't call them unmarked, but like, they've got a lot of room to operate. There's like four guys there that could have passed the ball to each other. Um, it's pretty ugly. So, yeah, um, that's my bad thing. What are yours, Matt?
0: Um, well, you know, I, you started with the, you, you went back to front, so I guess I'll go front to back. I think we could do a whole, we could do a whole video review of all three of the goals conceded, I could even say four in terms of the handball goal that was called back for VAR, and do a whole blame pie a la 2017-2018 with this team and talk about who's at fault. Ironically, I think William Yarbrough is at worst the fourth most at fault in any of those yeah. four goals that were conceded. I, I maybe want to defend Austin Trusty a little bit on this one. Nice. Mark, because on that first goal, I think Wilson gets a header to that and intercepts that ball. I don't think Ethan Finley puts that in the back of the net. And then if you look back at it with, you know, Austin kind of having a crowd of players um, from William Yarbrough's perspective, it would be right. It would be to his right and then close up against the in the Manchester City zone outside the box. And Wilson's out there where he doesn't really need to be out there from a defensive gap control and density standpoint. And then basically the ball comes in. And on both of those plays, Wilson's slightly out of position by at least five, possibly upwards of 50, 10 yards and Trusty kind of has to track back and go to it. I think there's been a few plays—I'm not saying this is the majority of Trusty's bad run of form towards his end of the time with the Rapids, but I think there's a number of plays that if you just go back at it and look at the five seconds prior to the goal, you say, Trusty's out of position, he was the guy closest to the man who scored, he should have done better, he's at fault. And I think there's a lot of other stuff that preceded that, that put it in that position where Trusty has to do something that— by design was not supposed to happen to begin with. Right. You know right. the you know if the if the linebacker misses his mark right. and then the corner gets you know bump and run coverage or anything and then all of a sudden the safety is supposed to be somewhere and he has to run twenty yards the other way and he gets burned on a go route or something. Yes, on the film he's the one who looks the worst, but he's not the biggest reason that it was. Trusty's on fault on all three goals, all four, if we're including VAR, (laughs) I would not give him the largest slice of blame pie on any more than any one of those four plays. And yep. I could say that about a number of others where people have been pointing the finger at Trusty. Right. But in any, in any case, the defense was really bad. As Robin Frazier said, if they gifted two goals, it needs to be better. And this has been a worrying problem, Mark, that we have seen from all three of the center backs, from Keegan Rosenberry, to a lesser extent, William Yarbrough and even Lucas Estevez and Anthony Markanich. This defense is not as good as it was last year. And if it's not going to be better, this team is in deep trouble and really briefly like we all, and I say this a lot so I
1: apologize to our listeners who are sick of me saying the same things year after year but I have to bring in the point that like if you're if you're pointing out that the defense had some lapses you have to ask the question of like why was it? why did they have to do so much of defending in the first place like why did um, Austin have such an easy time playing through the midfield playing to the wings why weren't the midfielders um, doing a better job of kind of closing down and, and making it hard to break into the middle third. It felt like um, Austin had a lot of possession in the final third that was uncontested a lot of the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, um, so to your point, Mark, you were kind of pointing out earlier when the Rapids, so from the Rapids going up a man, Mark, here on the MLS box score, I only have four shot attempts. Nothing with an XG of higher than 5%. Right. We saw against Nashville when they spotted them a lead and Nashville basically parked the bus. They had difficulty with this. I don't want to necessarily compare the road games because road games have been a mess. And even when we've seen them be up a man in other scenarios, like in the Champions League games, just this team cannot break down a low block where they cover numbers and then just don't give away anything super easily. And we've seen this in home games where they have several minutes to do it, 22 minutes of total playing time yesterday, and they could not do it, and they've been up a man, or they've been able to swarm then and everything. Ironically, this team can't create good chances in the most critical moments where they know that the opponent's just going to try and defend and prevent them from scoring. And that's something fundamentally you have to be able to do at times in the game of soccer. There are times where you just have to put 10 minutes behind the ball and guard and hold out and not concede yep. a goal in 20 minutes. There are times where you have to do that against a team that's just defending. They have not been able to do this, just like my concerns about just the the fundamental underlying issues with this team right now, this is a problem that I don't really see being resolved. They're not creating high-quality chances. And as we've seen last year and this year, even when they get those high-quality chances, nobody's really scoring. That is not a recipe for success in the game of soccer. Good things, Mark. Um, it was really nice to see Lewis score on his one really good opportunity. Can I say something real quick about Lewis? Of course. I was down photo- uh,
1: doing photography and... Um, I took, I think, 15 or 20 pictures of Lewis and none of them, like, one of them came out because he moves so fast. He's a
0: blur. I literally have no in-focus shots of him. The dude moved too fast. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, so, uh, you know, good on for Lewis. But again, all of this is in the context of the team had a 20, you know, had a two-goal lead 22 minutes in and found a way to lose the game 3-2 and massively be outplayed in the second half. My good thing is going to be very warm and fuzzy and personal, which is I was there in person
1: and I got to see everybody from the Rapids and all of the fans. I was at the tailgate. Um, I got to have a really good time um, shooting photos and being in the press box and eating potato salad and going out for beers uh, and being at the C38 tailgate before and going out for a drink with uh, Chris uh, from the Striker, Texas. Um, who's a writer and Matt, uh, we went to a bar down, down in Lodo and, and I mean, you know, that, that's, that's invaluable. There's being in, in the place, um, being in Colorado, being in Denver for a match. It's been three and a half years since the last time I saw a match in person. Um, it was an awesome, awesome feeling. It's hard to focus sometimes on the game when you're experiencing the full game experience. Um, and it feels kind of new again. And related to that, you know, the crowd was awesome. You know, it was 18,000, uh, 086 or 084. Something like that. I, I don't, I didn't get to meet all the people. So, um, there were moments in the second half where there was a foul or there was a a bad call or there was a miss and the, the the volume was just thunderous. And Matt knows because he's been to all the games, but what, but like there are times when, you know, early season, not great weather, Um, you know, it's kind of quiet at DSGP and when it's, when the stadium is rocking, the stadium is rocking and even in a loss, uh, in a game that you really shouldn't have dropped the points, um, it's, it's an awesome experience and it really was, uh, absolutely great. Uh, and you know, this is the gospel of soccer where we hope that the fireworks game gets people to come out who wouldn't normally come. And they get, catch the bug. I mean, I wasn't a huge soccer fan in 2013 when I got turned on by the Colorado Rapids. I basically showed up and was like, wow, you know, I tried a game and I said, wow, this is really fun. And then I became a full convert. Um, that's the goal here. Um, and the camaraderie and the beers and the good food at the tailgate, um, it's all part of the show. So that's my, I mean, that's not, I wouldn't even call it a good thing, Matt. I would call that a great thing, um, <laughs> which is a wonderful thing to experience. My other good thing was the assist from Brian Acosta to um, Abubakar, Lalas Abubakar, was just phenomenal. Just a great diagonal ball. Um, you know, if you if you gave Lalas that chance uh, ten times, he'd probably miss it nine times. But he, he, you know, falling backward, you know, looping ball over the goalkeeper's head, just really, really well taken, really, really beautiful. Um, the... I didn't say this when we, before, before when it didn't get cut off, but Matt and I were in the, um, post-game presser and they brought in Abubakar to be the first, uh, person to face the music. And I was actually surprised because as one of the defenders, I thought that he was going to be, you know, not picked because who wants to put a defender up there when you, in a game where you concede three goals? He was crestfallen. He was absolutely gobsmacked. Uh, I believe the first words he said when he walked in, he had his hands in his, his head in his hands, he looked kind of stricken, and he said uh, something like, I can't believe it, man. I can't believe it. I mean, he was just really upset, which he has the kind of passion that we really appreciate as both writers and fans, but, um, he, I'll put some of these fi- pictures up eventually, but he absolutely looked like just crushed to have to face the reporters. Um, but he, he just hadn't gotten over the fact that we, we lost that game. So,
0: yeah. No. Um I guess let's let's move on to big things, Mark. You know, I I'm, I'm really I've become I think way more pessimistic with the way the last two games have, have gone and in particular the just underlying issues that we've seen with the defense being leaky, just, you know, the little details, the all the small things that myself and Michael Lahood talked about last week on the podcast, and just that has not been the same. And I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe it's early on in the season, there were issues or whatever, or, oh, there's been a couple injuries because Wilson and Price were out, oh, they'll be able to figure that out. Jussie artist is going to get settled or anything, and none of those things have really happened. That's right. And, you know, at some point, you know, uh, Vinny Benedetto um, asked the, you know, asked Robin Frazier game like, general level of concern this season. And so there's, con- and Robin kind of answered it two ways, like concerned about where we are on the table Versus concern about how the team is playing and some of the underlying issues there, and he, you know, we're halfway through the season. Mark, this was the seventeenth game that the Rapids played on yesterday, on Monday, and so you know, at some point, you are what your record said it says it is, or you right. are what we, you are what you repeatedly do, or what you repeatedly don't do, and so that's where my main concern that I have coming in. You know, they have a big game this weekend against Real Salt Lake that we'll get to in a couple minutes. They've got midweek against Orlando. That's a home game against an Eastern Conference team. Then they're playing the LA Galaxy. You know, and then it's Seattle Sounders, New York Red Bulls who've been playing really well as well. You know, those are one, two, three, four, five. That's five playoff teams where honestly I could make the argument the Galaxy are the worst of those five. Yeah. Mark. And, you know, if you don't make any points there, then you're looking at seventeen plus five is twenty three. You've got eleven games left. At some point this if his team wants to make the playoffs they need to win games. And at some point they need to start winning those games. They're averaging what, 1.1, point uh one point one two points per game right now on the season. They're only ahead of San Jose and Sporting Kansas City right now. Both of those teams have uh they do have a game two games at hand on Sporting Kansas City, but you know, you look at it like they lost to Portland, uh, you know, who are out of the playoffs as well. You know, they uh, got a 1-1 draw against Houston, who's just above them in the table as well. They've already lost to Minnesota United and everything. Like, they're losing to the teams that are in that middle pack that ultimately they're going to have to be able to jump, that they're going to have to get points off of and gain ground on in order for them to move up in the table. And so I think this season's really at an inflection point. I don't think the schedule's particularly easy, and they're, just, they're running out of time, it, for for Smith is running out of time to try and resolve this. Um, what's happening with the center back situation with Austin Trusty. Mark, we were under the impression from the initial press release that he was going to be available for that game against, um, not Minnesota. Who's it going to be? The game against uh, the LA Galaxy was going to be his, the, that Sunday, the July 17th, the Rapids play the Galaxy at home 16th, yeah. on the 16th, that that Sunday would be him formally reporting to Arsenal. And so he'd be available for that. Uh, it's now been made clear that today, that yesterday was his final home game with Dick Sporting Goods Park. I asked him afterwards, are you available for Saturday? And he said, to be determined. Um, the Rapids have already spent money to acquire a number of players at the center back role. Do they really have a roster spot or even money to get somebody else who's going to be better than Trusty, who we just talked about? Hasn't been particularly great. They have holes in the midfield. Does the triumphant return of Ali LaRaz from the injured list resolve that? I don't think Mm -hmm. so. And fundamentally, Diego Rubio is the only dangerous guy that the Rapids have in the final 3rd Mark Marc-Anthony Kay was invisible yesterday for me. Um, I'm at DEFCON 1 as far as Giossi's artist. I didn't see enough from him at all. He looked completely out of sync. Michael Barros has regressed. Jonathan Lewis is too inconsistent. Brian Gavon is injured. The only guy who can really create chances in the final third from the run of play is Diego Rubio. The only guy who can reliably count on to score those good quality chances is Diego Rubio. And this team's going to have to forget returning to the set-piece kings of MLS in order to have corners be the DP striker for the Colorado Rapids. They're going to have to be the set-piece god emperors of Major League Soccer. And I just I don't see, you know, a number of those things have to happen for this season to turn around and remotely achieve expectations or hopes and dreams that we had for this team. I don't see all of those things happening. I definitely don't see all of those things happening. I probably don't see most or even half of those things happening. And if that doesn't happen right now, Mark, given the murders row that they have coming up through the middle of August, I'm you know, I'm I'm pretty darn close. I'm two more losses in a row or some bad performances, or a chance to pick up points where they find ways to drop points away from saying, yeah, this team's probably not making the playoffs. If, if I had to bet 10 bucks right now, playoffs or no, I would say no.
1: Yeah. Uh, boy, you said a lot of things there, and I don't, I don't have a lot of... You, you, you ran down the, the options at center back and, and kind of discounted everyone there, and I, I think you're pretty much right, and there's nothing to argue there. Um, when you talk about the, what's left of the, what's going on in the, in the calendar, I'll say something I've already said, which is you've got to start winning on the road. There are a couple of road games that are going to be really tough. We've got a game at Red Bull. We've got a game in Vancouver and they're always pretty strong there. That's a winnable game. Our next road game, I think after the real salt lake game next week is really brutal. Um, they're going to smell blood in the water. They, mm. they, there's nothing worse than a, a circling the drain Colorado Rapids team going away for a Rocky Mountain Cup match. Like, that just feels awful. Now, the funny thing is, in my memory, the Rapids often surprise in those situations, right? When we expect to be fantastic, we get blown out, uh, at the Rio T. And when we, when we go in there as the underdog, we pull miracles. It's, it's counterintuitive. But that's pretty rare. But today was, yesterday was supposed to be counterintuitive that's right. as well, so. Um, we've got an away game to Seattle. Those are always impossible. Like, it's, you have to win some away games to even be in the conversation for playoffs at this point, because the Rapids are in 12th, right? Like, they're, it's an uphill climb for here on out. If they put together 1.5 points a game for the rest of the season, they're probably, you know, scraping their way into eighth. But, so they've got to start moving, like, they've got to start, like, Recording draws and wins, draws and wins in surprising situations like away games. Um, they, they put themselves in a bad position. You know, having not been in the post-game presser, Matt, uh, until last night, uh, I was. I know that I've heard it on TV, uh, and I know that he's a very measured, very calm guy. But hearing and seeing no panic whatsoever from Robin Frazier, I will say slightly disconcerting, which is that, like, you know, you would ask these questions of Anthony Hudson, and there were moments when Anthony Hudson wasn't doing well with the Rapids, where you thought to yourself, okay, he's not actually giving party line, he's in full-blown denial that there is a problem. And with Frazier, you don't know whether he's being very political and very careful to make sure that he just pr- projects confidence and never throws his players onto the bus, or whether he's unwilling to make the necessary changes to get a team moving in the right direction. Like, what can they do to shake things up? And, and your point about what can Porik do is a great one, because the big teams in the league are signing Gareth Bale and uh, Chiellini and Hector Herrera, and the Colorado Rapids are, you know, the last major move we got was, Gustavo Valencia, a spare part from the dead last wooden spoon team two seasons running. Like, what the hell, man? Like, maybe, you know, maybe there needs to be something bigger or maybe there's another possibility, which is you start picking the bones of the other teams at the bottom of the table and see what you can't get. I think there's a lot of assets, for instance, at SKC that you might be able to pry lose because their season's been done since almost the beginning because of the number of injuries they've had. You know, maybe you make a, Sporting Rapids FC kind of team, and we can scrape our way into it. Or maybe we're distressed assets FC, and we start punting. That's a that's a thing we haven't talked about, which is like, you know, Porik may be looking at this team and saying like, all right, none of our young guys are ready this year. Um, our older guys have still still have some value. Some of them may want to be with a winner where they can get a cup this year. Maybe it's tear it down. Maybe there's a few players out there that we can move. And get either cash or prospects. Um, thinking in in baseball terms, mm. um, I don't like this conversation. I don't no. like thinking. I don't like thinking about Jack Price as a, as a guy who you can move along to Miami to to do things. But uh, I think so. I mean, I you know, I we've all been shocked by big moves that this team has made before. So um, you know, that's a question that we have not addressed here, uh, which is maybe we're distressed assets FC. Maybe we're not. Um, buying Latif Blessing, maybe we're more like selling Keegan Rosenberry or selling Diego Rubio because, by the way, fans who are listening to this, we often hear people say, I often hear people on Twitter say, why don't we sell... And then they name the worst player on our team. And the answer is because they're worthless. You buy low and you sell high. And none of you are going to like the players that we have to sell high on. But if you're not going to make the playoffs this year, then... To win in 2023, you sell high now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think those are all good points. Where I think it's way too early to have that conversation. Where, are math in terms of but there's number, more value
1: if you sell now than if you wait till you're distressed assets because then blood in the water, they know that you're trying to just offload these guys for bargain prices. But anyways, I, sorry I, think I it's, cut you off. I
0: think it's a function of you know how much do you ultimately get, you know, and and then I think you know can you replace somebody there, you know, have. Uh, you know, have the Colorado Rapids been scouting Cameron Dunbar? And do they think that they could get him easily from LA Galaxy and then make a move for him and in doing so sell at the high watermark for Keegan Rosenberry's value to a winner that's just a right back signing away from then I think that's a that's a net positive long term, even if they're short-term paying with that. But I think we're halfway through the season. I think it's way too early to punt on this season. I think this team knows that they're capable Of being better, and I think doing so, uh, unless it's something that would be massive for like the next two to three years of the club, both financially and on the field, I don't know that Pork's gonna, he's been a shrewd operator in these moments. I don't, he's not going to react emotionally to last night like most of Rapids Twitter. No, and we don't, in soccer, it's not like
1: baseball. You don't really blow it up. Like, you know, people talk about like, oh, it's a rebuilding year or whatever, but like, you never see a team except in the USL offload like half the roster yes. and they don't do it at the trade deadline in usl they do it in the offseason. the rapids don't have a lot of puntable assets within the league that are going to get a huge amount of return but that still means that they may want to sell one guy um, you know and, and in the near future um, if they think that they can't the problem that you're you know that we turn around is like who fills in? Like mm-hmm. we're we're not real deep at a lot of positions, you know. And Stephen Betashore is a really great jack of all trades, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't. You can't put him in at every spot. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mario, anything else we want to say about this no, game? No, we we've said mean, all the things. Okay. It's, it's it's uh
1: it's it's you were talking about DefCon one also for the DefCon um, uh, alarms for Jossie Zardos. Yeah, I'm DefCon one. This was another. This was another game. I've moved up this scale too. I I moved last game I was at a four. I've moved up to DefCon three. He was shockingly invisible in ways that were even worse than last game. Like, one of the things that I've been shrugging my shoulders about with Josie is, well, he plays back to goal a lot, he's doing some hold-up play in the midfield, and, like, yeah, in this game, like, no, he didn't really do much of anything. I found him just to be standing in places where he wasn't particularly useful, and I didn't understand it. I didn't understand where he was—he wasn't making runs into dangerous places, and he wasn't posting himself up. Um, in big ways. It was just,
0: it was kind of shocking. I'm looking up his stats so far. So with the Rapids, Mark, uh, he's played nine games. He's been a starter in eight, uh, 669 minutes played, one goal, one assistant. Obviously that one goal being from a penalty that he himself did not draw, I believe, against LASC. So, yeah, I guess, Mark, what would it, what would it take for you? What would, what would have to happen for you go DEF one on Giace? To At, skip a step, you mean? Or when? Yeah, okay, Remember yeah. Move up the scale. When and how? Yeah. What? What is? It? What is your? I'll just keep
1: moving it up. Every game he doesn't produce anything. Um,
0: you know, it's
1: it's interesting because we're a we're a really good team on corners and set pieces. And what I'm starting to sort of appreciate was I thought we signed Jassi Zardoz to be an open play guy who could make um, breakthrough runs or do kind of fox in the box moments. Or have headed back post goals on open play crosses, and I haven't seen even vague evidence that he's going to do any of those things, and that's I think the most troubling thing. It's like we already had guys who could finish on set pieces. You put Lalas Bububakar at the back post and let Jack Price bend in the corner, and you're fine. You, you you got you know you and I both know Loki's toboggan like the back of our hand. We didn't need Josie Zardes to run Loki's toboggan for us. If you don't know this phrase, it's a it's a set piece stack. Um, where all the players break all at the same time and it's, it works great and you, you've got the big assets who can head that ball through. You didn't need Jossie. But if Jossie's not going to make that run or create problems, um, or play off of, uh, at the far post off of Jonathan, um, Lewis who's making, you know, dribbling in and, and causing problems, then Jossie's not doing anything. Um, he wasn't even effectively, as far as I could tell, pulling guys away. To, to create space for other guys. That might be... I might not have been watching him closely enough,
0: but, um you know, he just wasn't doing the things. Jossie plays 90 minutes, no goals, no assists on Saturday, Mark. He plays next Wednesday at home against Orlando, no goals, no assists in 90 minutes. Thursday morning next week, are you DEFCON 1, if that's the case? Probably. Yeah, I'll just move it up one one step at a time. But I don't know what happens
1: at DEF DEFCON 1, you know. In, in the Cold War, we launched nuclear missiles. Like... You you can't launch Jard- Jossi Zardes into the sun like there's nothing there's nothing you can do with him. The worst thing you can do is have him train with the U23s like like in the Ingos Premier League with a disgruntled miserable player. But he's not disgruntled and he's not miserable. He's just kind of misfiring. So I don't know. It's it's it's. I think in this last game he just didn't even have opportunities. Um, you know, in other games he's been missing those opportunities.
0: Listeners this coming weekend is MLS Rivalry Week. Uh we'll be getting El Trafico on the weekend on Friday night, um NYCFC versus New England, big game. Uh what else do we have in here, Marco? We've got uh Cascadia Cup, Seattle versus Portland on the weekend, a Florida Derby, Orlando versus Inter Miami are playing as well. For some reason, you have Toronto versus San Jose, because apparently that's a rivalry. Huge. And, uh, we'll be finishing off the nightcap on Saturday night for rivalry weekend with Copa Tejas, Houston Dynamo, hosting FC Dallas. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time. And then, of course, the big game that we care about here at holding the high line, Real Salt Lake, hosting Colorado Rapids in the second leg of the Rocky Mountain Cup. Final game of the of the night, too. So yes. most of MLS eyes, if you're, you know, doing the nightcap, will be on that one. Yes.
1: MLS after dark, as yes. they call it.
0: Uh, 8 p.m. local time at the Rio T. Uh, Mark, I, I don't even know if it's worthwhile, like, talking about RSL at this point. Like, there's so many issues with the Rapids that are just internal, and if the Rapids don't solve that, it doesn't really matter what's going on with the other side. Um, Pablo Maserini mostly been playing a 4-4-2. It's been a lot of Pablo ball with a few little nuanced things. Pablo Ruiz is doing some fun stuff in midfield. This team has been effective, gritty. Um, you know, they got that dog in them all in <laughs> out. Demir Krylach, who's been out with an injury and hasn't even... I don't even think he's stepped on the field. Um, Aaron Herrera is doing some interesting stuff at the outside back position. Mark, uh, Rubio Rubin has been a good goal scorer. Like, they've kind of gone... It's similar to when it was like Adam Buxa and Gustavo Bo like on and off in terms of who was in form between him. And then also with Bobby Wood, this team is consistent. This team is unremarkable. This team is hardworking. They don't make mistakes. And when you make a mistake, they pounce on you. And for those reasons, RSL are deservedly in the upper echelon of the Western Conference, currently third behind Austin and LAFC respectively. Um, Mark, does it even really matter what RSL is doing or just the Rapids need to get their you-know-what together?
1: That's true. Um, I want to just do a like-for-like like comparison. They played uh, Austin about a month ago and beat them 2-1, to one. and that lineup was, like you said, 4-4-2 with former Colorado Rapids' Zach McMath in the goal. He's been very good. Statistically speaking, if you look at his MLS fantasy numbers, he's one of the top MLS fantasy goalkeepers. Which doesn't really mean all that much because he doesn't look that good for XG if you look at the advanced metrics. But
0: um, he gets a lot of points from saving a lot of easy shots because yeah. RSL doesn't care about having the ball sometimes.
1: I wanna I wanna call attention to how brilliant I am for a second, which is in if you if you um, listen to our off season podcast about uh, shortly before MLS uh, Super Draft, I mentioned a couple players. One of the beautiful things about being in Pittsburgh is we're an ACC soccer town, and I got to sit up close and personal and watch Jasper Lofelson, who's a German uh, graduate student at Pitt, um, who played three seasons for the Pitt Panthers, and just looked phenomenal, mostly playing at right-back, but he, he could also play at left-back. He looked really, really good. Um, he could do a little bit of everything, really good defender, very fast, extremely capable dribbler, and I thought he was going to make a pretty good... Um, MLS like backup goal, a uh, backup fullback cog. He's a starting right back for um, for RSL, um, and he's been very, very good for them uh, uh, this season. He's been uh, he has one assist, no goals, 15 matches, um, and he's mostly been playing lately as a central midfielder alongside um, uh, Scott Caldwell, formerly of New England. Um, those guys are getting a, a bunch of the starts, and that's just kind of remarkable they've got Michael Chang and Justin Merrim on the outside Chang is a a former like striker who they've kind of moved back to kind of create with so I gotta give um, Pablo some credit keeping things tight in this funky like 4-4-2 putting players in new positions and getting the most out of them um, it's frustrating to see Pablo kind of blossom as a as a coach with another team um, and not do like you know pop, pure Pablo ball, uh, unbelievably defensive Pablo ball. Like they're a little bit more scory and and fun. Um, you know they dismantled Houston three nil before that. Um, that said though, they 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 just got beat by Minnesota and Minnesota
0: haven't been great this season, so they have their weaknesses. Anything less than the best performance of the season for the Rapids, given the history in this rivalry, given how this team normally plays and how they lose. At Rio Tinto, Mark, anything less than their best performance of the year so far for me, and I think it's a loss on the weekend. I I don't see how this team gets a result on Saturday.
1: Jack Rice being back would help, uh, and he was on the field for warm-ups this game. Um, another thing that might be interesting would be if we're going— if we are Trusty is not playing, and they're going to move to a four four two or a 4-back um, without him because there's really no other options except— Gustavo Ayacuca, maybe,
0: and then maybe he. he has I just looked it up. He hasn't played since May, like it, like early May. Yeah. Like I yeah. don't know what. It's it's concerning that how Trusty has played, and the fact that knowing that his time in here was coming to an end, that Frazier didn't go with somebody else. That to your point, maybe maybe we're having a, a full rabbi and red Mind here is that the reason is that trustee's just been better than Viasia and Mike Edwards and Kate has been hurt
1: right right but at least maybe put the guy on the field and give him 20 or 30 minutes of run in the game he hasn't seen the field since like May 7th or like April 30th or something insane like that like I think he's like one step away from being demoted to Rapids too is my take like but if um, you go,
0: if you go back, if you go four at the back, then Lawless is, Lawless is going to be a liability as a chaos merchant and Danny Wilson's even more exposed 1v1. I mean, it's, it's there's no good answers here.
1: I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, uh, a crazy back four of, uh, that's not the back crazy, but it, it, it automatically has liabilities of Estevez, um, Abubakar, uh, Danny Wilson and, um, Keegan Rosenberg. and Keegan Rosenberry. And if you want to tinker, you might shield them by moving Betashore into a defensive midfield role and saying he's kind of a roving killer. He's like a sweeper, you know, he's like a forward sweeper. But, you know, I think also asking Lucas Esteves to start being more defensive might be like, uh, playing Russian roulette. Like, not, a, yeah. not necessarily, not really his, his thing. Like, stay home, honey. Like, you know, you watch the kids not something that I would necessarily trust him with. But, um, yeah, there are no good options, Matt.
0: I, Mark, I, I eagerly, given that we're now so doom and gloom, like, this is the, this is where the rapid surprise us, So I look forward I to, so. I look forward to a Geossi's Artist hat trick with all three primary assists coming from Sam Nicholson, who will be available for this game as the transfer window mm-hmm. We'll be opening. Let's see. We're on Tuesday now, so Thursday will officially be the first day. Is of the
1: Is he window. even in the country? We didn't see him at the game this
0: this last week. He, uh, was... he is. He trained last week. Oh, nice. Team. So okay. he's been in with the team in theory, building up fitness at altitude. He is available for selection on Saturday, unless he's hurt, and I and I haven't heard anything about that.
1: Yeah, I would expect him off the bench if anything, but like mm-hmm. you know, one of those uh, questions of like uh, you know maybe m- moving Barrios back to a start starting position, um, but. You know, what do you do? You bench Jassy Zardas like your million-dollar player? I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's craziness. Anything else or shall we get out of here, Rabbi? No, I think we covered all the things. Listeners, uh, I can't remember how to do this tagline, when I'm not in my own basement because I stare at the same things. And uh, We are sponsored by Acres FC and Roughneck Scarves. They are both custom makers of lovely apparel that are soccer-related. You can get anything you want. Um, they also have some stuff from the back catalog that's cheap. It's a really fun organization, uh, and they they make neat stuff and you should buy their things. Matt, tell them how to hit us on the socials, how to read our material, and how to contact us.
0: Yeah, listeners, follow us collectively on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi, at LWS Matt Tollard, and at Rapids96 Podcast. Uh, check out all of our work at Pittsburgh Soccer Now, last word on sports.com backslash soccer, and our substack, holding the highline Com, um, there you can also view us in web format, you can subscribe to our email newsletter, and then you can also um, support us financially. Five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year gets you into our Highliner Club. If you want to email us, email us at rapids96podcast.gmail.com. podcast at And if you just want to give us a single cash dump and don't want to deal with our sub stack, then we also have a Patreon page, patreon.com backslash rapids96podcast. Um, listeners, we'll see you next week to... Hopefully not have a Rocky Mountain Cup, uh, you know, sad sack session or anything. That's right. Peace.